for to worship God together and to learn from Him. We're so glad that we have this opportunity to be together. Well, God's Word is very important to us. No one would deny that. As a result of the fact that God's Word is important to us, it's very important that we be studying God's Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Paul tells Timothy, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're going to be pleasing to God, we need to be in His Word. We need to be studying His Word and understanding His Word. And that should require a lot of private study and private reading of the Scriptures. Are you committed to that in your life, to the daily private study, and contemplation of God's Word? We need to be. But another tool that will help us in our understanding of the Scriptures, I believe, is the public reading of Scripture. Paul told Timothy to not neglect the public reading of Scripture. In the passage that Mark just read for us, in the Revised Standard Version says this, "...till I come, attend to the public reading of Scripture." to preaching, to teaching. Timothy was told that he needed to attend to the public reading of scriptures. And Timothy isn't the only person in the Bible who was told to listen to the word of God being read. Throughout time, people were told to listen to God's word as it was publicly read then. Literacy rates weren't anywhere near as high as they are today. There were a lot of people who couldn't read the scriptures because they couldn't read. And so the only way they would hear about God's word or know God's word for this, they were to listen to someone read it to them. There was a time when we were like that as children, no doubt. And hopefully our parents read God's word to us when we couldn't read it ourselves. But adults in those times would have had those, that problem as well. And for many, there were no access or no... Uh, easy access to the Scriptures. Many people didn't have their own copy of the Scriptures. In fact, it wasn't until the mid-1400s when Gutenberg invented his printing press that Bibles became more readily available. And so public reading of Scriptures might be the only access you had to the Bible. We take a lot of things for granted in our society today, don't we? The fact that our parents made us go to school and learn how to read the fact that we have numerous copies of the Bible available to us, we take that for granted. They didn't have those blessings back then. And so for those reasons, no doubt, the public reading of Scripture was very necessary and very important. But I want to tell you this morning, I think there are still benefits to hearing the Word of God read publicly. And I want to talk about those this morning. Hearing the, God, the Word of God being read is very powerful I think it's important to us today as we live our lives as well. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about attending to the public reading of Scripture. In our 5 o'clock worship tonight, we want to start what we're going to do throughout the year on the first Sunday night of the month. We want to spend a special time reading God's Word together and focusing on it in our worship service together. And so tonight... We'll, we'll, we'll take a time in the book of Philippians as our starting point, and we're going to read that book in its, its entirety. We're going to take turns talking about the meaning of the, of the 
words as we read them, uh, and as because I believe this is a is something that was done throughout history and is something that's valuable to us. God's word is amazing, isn't it? You know the statistics say, and it's hard to get a firm number on this, but the estimates are that there are a hundred million copies of the Bible sold every year. One hundred million copies of the Bible. I did a little math on that because that number is just phenomenal. I said, well, assume that the Bible is, each Bible is an inch thick. Some are a lot thicker than that. Let's just be conservative and say that each one of those hundred million Bibles is an inch thick. Do you realize that the Bible sold last year, if you were to stack them together, would be a stack of Bibles almost 1,600 miles high? Just in the last year, 1,600 miles of Bibles stacked up were sold. That's amazing. The Bible has 66 books, as you know. But did you know that there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible? 929 chapters in the Old Testament. 260 chapters in the New Testament. And did you know that if you read just one chapter of the New Testament five days a week, that you can read the entire New Testament in one year? The 66 books of the Bible were written over a period of about 1,500 years by around 40 different authors. And those writers had different backgrounds. They had different educations. They had different careers. Many of those writers did not know each other. And yet when you take their writings and put them all together in the Bible that we have in our hands right now, there is the end of the book. You have common imagery that conveys rich meaning, and that imagery is continuous throughout the Scriptures. The Bible contains fulfilled prophecies. And those prophecies aren't vague predictions that could have random uh, fulfillments. No, those prophecies are very specific. And we have them recorded for us in very distinct words, and we see their very distinct fulfillment. For example, in the life of Christ, there are over 30 prophecies about Jesus. Very specific prophecies about where he would be born, where he would grow up, where certain events in his childhood and his life, and they're all fulfilled in great specific detail. The Bible is scientifically accurate. The Bible states principles that are scientific principles that were unknown at the time that they were written. For example, the Bible tells us that the earth is round, not flat. And the Bible tells us that the earth is suspended on nothing. You will recall that many people thought the earth was flat. If you went far enough, you'd fall off. Many people in history thought that the earth was supported by maybe a strong man, Atlas. The strong man, Atlas. The, he was holding up the earth. Or that the earth was on the back of an elephant who was standing on a turtle and other crazy ideas. The Bible doesn't have that kind of superstitious misunderstanding. No, the Bible... It's very clear. The earth is round and the earth is hung on nothing. The Bible was sci is scientifically accurate. Even when the people who would have been pinning the Bible did, wouldn't have understood that. And the Bible is historically accurate. The Bible mentions historic civilizations 
that people until very recently thought never existed. That recent archaeological discoveries have shown that, yes, that, that civilization that the Bible mentioned, it did exist, but no one thought it did. How could they have known? These facts prove that the Bible must be inspired from God. And that's perhaps the most amazing fact about the Bible, is that we have a message from our almighty Creator, and we have it at our disposal. We have it in our hands. And God's Word is, as a result, very important. The Scriptures reveal God's will to us. And as a result, we need to be listening to what the Scriptures have to say to us. Notice the difference between the person who listens to God and His will and the person who doesn't, as, as, Psalm chapter, as the first Psalm, verse 1 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sets in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Do you see the contrast between the one who disregards God's will and who listens to human reasoning and the reasoning of the wicked versus the one who is going to be open and attentive to what God has revealed to us in his word? God's Word is so important to us. God's Word is vitally important to us because we're not capable as human beings of directing our own steps. That's what Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 says. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. I can't figure it out by myself. I've tried and you've tried. And when we try to figure it out for ourselves, when we try to do what makes sense to us, we make a mess of our lives because we're not capable. We need God's Word to direct our steps, to tell us how we need to live. God's Word is so important to us. It is how we live, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. God's Word is what enables us to live spiritually. In Matthew 4, verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus enables us to live spiritually. This is because God's Word directs us through the dangerous world that we live in. The 119th Psalm, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is a dark, dangerous world. And God's Word illuminates how we should live in this dark and dangerous world so that we can live a life that's pleasing to Him, a life that is alive spiritually. In 119th Psalm, verse 9, the psalmist says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. How can we live a pure life when there's all this wicked filth around us? By looking to God's word and heeding it. It is, after all, God's message and power to save us. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Do you see it? Do you see how God has revealed His, word for us, His will for us so that we can live in a way that's pleasing to Him, so that we don't have to... It, suffer all of the missteps and the mistakes that the wicked suffer so that we can't have that light 
to our path and to our feet so we can be pleasing to Him. As a result, I want to tell you, we should have this Word of God as a precious thing in our lives. We ought to greatly appreciate it. Psalm 19, verse 9. Psalm 19, verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Do you view God's Word that way? Would you, if your house was on fire and you could grab one thing out of it, would you reach for your Bible? If you had to give everything that you owned away and you could keep one thing, would you keep this? Then gold, because it does so much for us. Because it is the way that we live spiritually. God's Word is important. And throughout history, we see that public reading of God's Word was a part of the lives of people who were following God. We see it in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see that they were reading the Scriptures publicly. The first place we see the public reading of God's Word is in Exodus chapter 24. In Exodus chapter 24, the children of Israel have been delivered from Egyptian captivity. They are at Mount Sinai. And God reveals His will and His Word. And notice how it is read publicly. It's small print if you want to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24, starting at verse 1. Oh, no. Oh, no. Exodus 24, beginning of verse 1. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has commanded we will do. And Moses wrote, all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient." And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. God gives His word, and it is read, and the people hear it, and they acknowledge it, and they say, We'll do it. Now this makes sense, doesn't it, that God's word will be read here? Because prior to this, you remember we were living in the patriarchal age where God is speaking directly to the patriarchs. This may be the first recorded will of God, where it is written down. And so it is natural, I think, to hear it and understand it. And Moses commanded that as time went on, that this would be done. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning of verse 10. Deuteronomy 31, beginning of verse 10. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which He chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. 
Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that you may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. And so at regular intervals, they were to get everyone together so that they could read the law together. They could hear it read and they could learn it. And early upon entering the promised land, Joshua takes time to stop in the middle of that process of conquering the promised land. He stops and gets everyone together to read all of the law in Joshua chapter 8. In Joshua chapter 8, beginning of verse 30. Joshua chapter 8, beginning of verse 30. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. It seems that as Joshua in, and these are the rules, this is what we're going to live by. We need to understand God's word and we need to live it. And so reading of the law, reading of God's word was very important. But we know when the children of Israel got into the promised land that they did not live by the standard, did they? They soon began to let it slip. They wandered away. And as amazing as it may sound, they wandered so far away that they had lost the book of the law. You remember that as they were trying to restore the temple and re rebuild the temple that Hilkiah founded in the days of Josiah the king. Hilkiah found the book of the law. It had been lost, and they found it. And notice what Josiah did when the book was found in 2 Kings chapter 23. In 2 Kings chapter 23, Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him, the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. They had found the book of the law. What do they want to do? They want to read it for everyone publicly. And during the rebuilding of Jerusalem, after the children of Israel had been taken into captivity, and they're coming back now in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah to read, and they're rebuilding Jerusalem, we see again that they pause to read the book 
of the law. This is an amazing account, and again, the type is small, so you may want to follow along in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning of verse 1. In Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning of verse 1, notice this public reading of Scripture. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand it goes on and talks about those who were there. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Uh, then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. The children of Israel stopped to hear the words of the law read to them. And they were moved by that reading, weren't they? They were sorrowful. No doubt as they mourned over things that they were not doing correctly. Maybe perhaps mourning that they hadn't heard it. And this was new and they were so happy that they could hear the words of the law. They rejoiced greatly, it says, because they understood the words that were declared to them. The public reading of Scripture was very important throughout the Old Testament. I'll tell you also, the public reading of the Scriptures continued into New Testament times. Public reading was a regular part of the Jewish people's life even up into the first century. In Acts chapter 15, in Acts chapter 15, verse 21, this statement of fact is made. It says here, For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. It appears from what the Scriptures teach that this was a common practice, that on the Sabbath day, the Jewish people would gather in the synagogues to hear the Scriptures being read. We see that Jesus participated in this. Jesus participated in this in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, beginning of verse 16, Jesus goes into the synagogue and he reads the scriptures publicly. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. 
And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus took part in the public reading of scriptures. In fact, he was one of the public readers. He read to the audience. And then he explained what he had read. Public reading was important in the life of Jesus. And Paul took advantage of this fact that they were gathering for the public reading in Acts chapter 13. He took advantage of that as an opportunity to speak. In Acts chapter 13, verse 15, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Paul attended the public reading of scriptures, not because he was practicing as a Jew, but because that's where the scriptures were going to be read and discussed. And he took advantage of that. And after this passage, it goes on and he has an opportunity to preach because he was there for the public reading of the scriptures. Public reading of the scriptures continued in the first century, and it was part of the first century church's activities as well. While it was no doubt different than what was going on in the synagogues, first century Christians were encouraged to be engaged in public reading of the scriptures. Paul encouraged the public reading of his epistles in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27, Paul says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Paul wanted the book of 1 Thessalonians to be read to the brethren. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, now when this epistle is read among you, see it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. You see, he was encouraging the public reading of his epistles. Now, there may have been, again, reasons of literacy and the ability to make copies of his epistles that was maybe more uh, efficient, that they'd read it publicly, but there was an expectation to be read publicly. And John encouraged that the book of Revelation would be read publicly as well. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 from the Revised Standard Version says, Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written therein, for the time is near. And the scriptures has been a constant throughout time. And I want to tell you, there are some benefits to the public reading of scripture. And I want to finish our time to this, this morning talking about some of these benefits that are associated with the public reading of scripture. Well, I don't think that the practice is binding on us today that we have to read it so many publicly so many times or what we have to do is around that. There are no doubt many benefits for us if we will read the scriptures publicly. Studies show that hearing something read helps you to understand it and retain it better if you hear it read rather than just reading it for yourselves. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Verse 6, the Israelites were told to discuss these things with their children. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your, ch your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now it goes on and talks about that they were going to write the scriptures in certain places of their house, and on maybe on their garments and stuff. They were going to write the scriptures, but they were also going to be talking about the scriptures because hearing something helps us with our retention and our learning. 
It also, I want to tell you, it enhances our understanding. When we hear the scriptures read publicly, I want to tell you it enhances our understanding. You know, the inflection you give in a sentence can change the meaning of that sentence. If I tell you maybe perhaps um, I ran to the store yesterday, that might sound like I just went to the store. But if I tell you I ran to the store, exact same words, but the inflection changes the meaning. And so it is with the scriptures. Have you ever heard someone read something from the scriptures and they put a little different emphasis on the words than you had when you read it and maybe that helped you understand it a little bit better? In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. In that passage in Nehemiah where Ezra's reading the scriptures. And they're reading the scriptures publicly. Notice they read it distinctly. And they gave the sense. They helped them to understand it. I want to tell you, when we read the scriptures publicly, we can help, I think, enhance our understanding of the scriptures. Public reading enhances our understanding. Public reading, furthermore, promotes unity. When we're all hearing the same scripture being read at the same time, it exposes us to the same truths at the same time. When we're reading the scriptures together, we're all reading the same thing, we're hearing the same truth together, and given the fact that the gospel is God's power to salvation, this exposure will help us to all grow together in the things that we're hearing. It will promote unity. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, the early disciples, I think, experienced this unity that comes from hearing God's word and being exposed to it together. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then came, a fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. How uh, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, it says. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. Exposure to that, I believe, caused them to have unity. Public reading, I think, promotes unity. Public reading of the Word of God also, I think, shows us that we honor the Word of God. By the fact that we would, as a group, take time to read the Scriptures together, shows that we honor the Word of God. We would never get together and read your to-do list that you have on your refrigerator. No one would suggest, hey, let's all get together and we want to read grants to get, say that we ought to get. Nobody would care, right? Nobody would get, say that we ought to get together. We're going to get together. There was this great article that was written about last night's ball game. Let's all get together and read that article together. No, that's not important, is it? But when we get together to read God's Word, that shows that this is important. It's so important that we all want to hear it together. That's how much we value it and how much we honor it. It shows that we honor God's word when we read it together as a group. Back in that account in Nehemiah chapter 8, notice how much they honored the word of God there. How important it was to them. They gathered together for this purpose in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 8. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square. 
And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. It was so important that they got together in the open square to hear it. And it goes on in verse 4. They had built a special structure to facilitate this public reading. In verse 4, so Ezra the scribe stood, stood these, these men, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood these, these men. They built what may be the first pulpit in recorded history to facilitate this public reading. And notice the respect they give for God's word in verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. When he opened the word, they stood up to show their respect for the word of God. When we read God's word publicly, I want to tell you, it shows how important and how much we honor God's word. And finally this morning, when we read God's word publicly, it shows a public acknowledgement and a public commitment to doing what God has said. The public reading of God's word doesn't do any good if we're not committed to following it. But when we take the time to have the scriptures read to us publicly, it shows us that we're committed to hearing what God wants from us. The children of Israel, after hearing God's word, committed themselves to doing God's word. In Exodus chapter 24, verse 7, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. When the children of Israel heard God's word read publicly, they all acknowledged it, and they all said, We're going to do what it said. And that really needs to be the outcome of hearing God's word, doesn't it? That we, we hear God's word, we need to be committed that we're going to do it. There are many benefits of public reading. The purpose of this lesson isn't to bind a practice that isn't bound. But hopefully the lesson shows the authority for what we do. And we read the scriptures together in our normal services. But I am excited about what we're going to do tonight in a more direct effort to reading the Scriptures publicly and enjoying the benefits of all of that. question for you this morning is, do you honor God's Word? Do you honor it? If you're not living by it, you don't honor it, do you? We need to be honoring God's Word. We need to be listening to what He says. Have you heard God's word? Have you heard his will for you? Do you believe it? Are you willing to submit to it? Are you willing to name the name of Christ? Put on Christ in baptism as we've been instructed in his word. And are you willing to live it every day of your life? If there's anything we can do.